The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I Candy Kimsey. Like a sugar daddy, a wealth of sweetness. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's definitely not the money. It's because, all about the delivery. You know, <laughs> I have been called a sugar daddy. Really? No. I, would, I, just, I, would, I thought it sounded I would, cool. I would be more like a Splenda daddy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like not sugar. So, on, anyway. Only on Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Or no. like like uh, Stevia. I'm a Stevia daddy. I'm more like a sugar baby. Yeah. And you just heard him straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Andy, you'll have to leave soon and go get Gregula. Oh, yeah. We are sans regular. We're no cat today. Yeah. Sarita, the Rita Edgerton. Hola. Jerry the Annihilator Lewis. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to the studio, energy. everybody. I know. I know. She gets all that. When, when he comes around to you, he's always so excited. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because I wish that I could, maybe we just need to get on your keyboard and make her a special intro. Because oh I want God. like the wrestler's intro. We could do it. I don't want to use Grave Diggers, you know. But I, I like the I like the Chicago Bulls intro. <laughs> I didn't know Grave Diggers was an option. <laughs> Grave Digger, Grave Digger, wasn't that his name? Grave Digger, the wrestler? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Undertaker? Yeah. Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. Grave Digger's Grave the monster truck. Yeah, he's the monster truck. truck. Yeah. I bet she still has music intro. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I can't believe it. We are finally getting back to the. Uh, to we're gonna fi- we're gonna finish the Esther series. Can you believe it? Nope. 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 And what's amazing is that Esther is Lazarus. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say, and no. is not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, no spoilers. Come on, <laughs> blame Lazarus. That's Andy's song. <laughs> well, we have a special guest in the studio today who is going to be with us for our finale, and uh, his name is Charlton R. Carter the Third. Welcome, Charlton. Hey. Yeah, he is a listener. He's actually, uh, we've been talking a little bit, and uh, super great guy. He was in the area, and I was like, come on in and get him in the studio. So it was really cool. And you went to uh, Granddad's Apples today? I did. What'd you think of that? It's my favorite spot up here. Yeah? Yes, it came is. Up, so you've been here up here before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Came up. You came up today from Augusta, Georgia. Oh, well, I was working there in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working there. So come anyway, on up. I'm so glad you're here. How yep. many of those uh, apple cider donuts did you bring me? That's what I want to know. I know. <laughs> if I knew ahead of time, I'd have brought you the whole box. Yeah. He's doing good with the turning of the head, isn't he? He is. He is. So, guys, I got some more feedback. I thought I'd read it. And I also got some fun stuff before we get too far. We're going to start and finish the Esther tonight. But what I wanted to do is read this, uh, this some feedback here. I think you guys will find this very fun. All right. So... This comes from uh, Rick Carter in Columbia, South Carolina. Do you guys remember him from the last time? Yes. You do? Here's what he says. Good morning, Burroughs. 
To my surprise, listening to the greatest podcast, I was fanboying out completely to get a shout out from the great Rick the Jelly Welch. <laughs> I have never had a nickname. Well, you except have for a nickname. I'm Rick Welch, beep, but I'm not doing that one. <laughs> However, it was met with tremendous scrutiny. As if I was Snuffleupagus from early Sesame Street. Well, my borough friends, I am a real boy, and I hope I get the opportunity to see you in person soon. Hee-haw, y'all. Oh, I like the hee-haw, y'all. That's cool. Hee-haw. Yeah. So, Rita, I'm curious. Do you know how to read a room? Yes. I would like you to meet Rick Carter from Columbia, South Carolina. Hey! <laughs> we do not know each other, but I responded to him, and yeah. I was like— did you hear the episode? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, they gave me a hard time and said it was sus. It was so sus. It was <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I said, how would you yeah. like to make the trip? So he hey. came all the way up from Columbia oh, to be amazing. on the show. Ta-da. I was a little bit suspicious with the third. That was a bit press. It is his real name. <laughs> That's Charlton legit. Richard it's Carter. all really? legit. Yes. It is. Look at that. Yeah. He even called your real name I, sus. It, see? <laughs> no, no, no fun here. Not trusting no of anyone, I don't I, think. No. no. I, I was right there with her. Anymore. Well, Rick, I'm, I'm glad that you're on the show. Oh, this it, it is so exciting. So we have a number one uh, fan out of Fayetteville, Mary McLeod. We love her. She yep. does write our newsletter now, which is coming out oh, uh, nice. the 1st of October. And you are our number one fan out of Columbia, oh, definitely. Man. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. And uh, he's kept up with it. And so it means a lot. I'm so I, glad you came I, up I, here. Yeah, so exciting. That was fun. Yeah, this yeah. is, I'm still fanboy now. He is a, <laughs> he is a real boy. <laughs> I am a real boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> How much did this cost? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, he was kind enough just to come on up and beat the hurricane and everything else. Mm-hmm. So before we get started, I have a, another thing. You guys remember last week we interviewed the Christian science fiction writer, Brian Gadawa. So I have some I bet books. you got a few letters about him. I didn't. Not yet. It hasn't been released. Yep. Really? No. I well, watched one of his movies. will come out in the future. Huh? Yeah, I bet you I will. did watch one of his movies. Did you watch Two and All Wars? Yes. What'd you think? Oh. Kiefer Sutherland was great. Oh, that's a that's a great movie. That's the one I had seen. That was so just. Oh, absolutely. So are these signed? They are, and each each of you get one. However, this is the full. Do you remember the one when he was talking about the? uh, It was called the the Chronicles of the Apocalypse. So we have all four of those books. So if you take the book, you're going to want to read book one. You don't want to start in book three, right? So he gave us the top four here. And uh, but I want to read to you what he wrote in these books. If that's okay, all right. Cool. Yeah. So he says, in uh, The Tyrant, Rise of the Beast, Chronicles of the Apocalypse, Book One, he says, to the boroughs of Berea, I like you jackasses. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. <laughs> Remnant, Rescue of the Elect from Chronicles of the Apocalypse, the Apocalypse. Book Two, he says, to the boroughs of Berea from an onager of Abraham. That must be funny, but I don't know what it means. It's probably from the book. Resistant, Revolt of the Jews, Chronicles of the Apocalypse. Book Three. To the boroughs of Berea, keep on braying and hee-hawing for the Lord. Amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> I hear you, son. And then from the book Judgment, Wrath of the Lamb, Chronicles of the Apocalypse, book four, he says, To the boroughs of Berea, may God visit recompense upon the head of Rick for making me sign all of these books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love and that then, sound like they're all personalized. That's I do, yeah. Recompense. And That's so, a good word. It is. So uh, I also got the book Psalm 82. And end times Bible prophecy, it's not what they told you. How about that? So as a special gift, I got you, Rick. Oh, my gosh. This one. Signed by Brian Gadawa. Oh, wow. 
Man. Yeah, very cool. So are we going to pass those around and and uh, and uh, so what take I was turns thinking, reading? Whoever them? wants to start the series can can read it first. I figured Andy would start. It. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be through all four of them any minute now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, it's 2028. I'm going to start it. I swear. <laughs> so this uh, police officer was driving down this curvy highway. Oh, it's a joke time, huh? Yeah, and uh, oh, he comes up on this truck, this old truck that's like weaving around on the road. It's kind of going across the yellow line back and forth. So he flips his lights on and flips his siren on and he gets up on the, the back end of this truck and the driver of the truck rolls the window down. He's like waving, like, go by, go by, you know? And he uh, just stays right on him. And then finally the guy pulls over and the cop unbuckles and he opens the door and he climbs out. And as he's getting out of the car, he notices that uh, the driver is putting a bottle in the bed of his truck. So he walks up slowly and he looks at the bed and he sees it's a wine bottle, just an empty wine bottle sitting there. So he goes up and he looks at the window and he says, <clears throat> sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And he goes, I, I was trying to let you by, officer. I saw you. I was trying to wait. Did you see me waving you by? And he's like, no, do you know why I pulled you over? He says, no, sir, I don't. He says, well, he said, you're weaving all over the place. He said, have you uh, been drinking today? And he goes, no, sir, all I've drank is water. Just drank water all day. So the uh, police officer looks in the bed again, looks at him, he goes, sir, you sure you haven't been drinking alcohol? And he goes, I'm appalled. He said, I'm a Baptist minister. Are you sure you want to ask me that question? So he reaches back and grabs that bottle and he sniffs it and he goes, then why does this bottle smell like wine? And the preacher says, praise the Lord, it's happened again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh boy. Picking on the Baptist. I decided to leave the priest out of it this time. It could be a, it could be a priest. It could be a Scientologist, whichever. We need some more Scientology jokes, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Cruise has had enough of his popularity. A deep yeah. well, we need to get deep. His we need to get billion into. dollars. Yeah, yeah, he seems we to be to doing go with all John right. Travolta. We don't have to necessarily go with Tom Cruise. That's a good point. Yeah, but he can just fly away. <laughs> or, or formerly, uh, Kirstie Alley also was a Scientologist. Formerly, she's not any longer. What about that? What was that lady's name? Leah that was Remini. On? Leah Remini. She that was, was on good King of Queens. I loved her in King of Queens. Did you watch the documentary? I haven't. It's very good. No, I haven't watched it. The one that always gets me is Beck. Beck's the person that when you're like, Beck's a Scientologist, I'm like, that makes maybe sense. there's something to it. That dude Beck? is getting crazy yeah. with the cheese whiz. He is getting crazy with the cheese whiz. That's right. Hey. He's a wildly creative whiz. individual, though. <laughs> he is very creative. Whiz, wit, pats only. We don't go to Geno's. I don't even know what that means. That's a Chicago <laughs> that's, thing, right? No, that's... No? Oh, who is that's, this person behind the glass? That's a Philly cheesesteak. That's what oh. I'm talking about. With cheese whiz on the top. That's Whiz, oh. whiz wit. He, oh. he totally went oh. a whole Whiz means a cheese direction. whiz, and oh. a wit means onions. Oh, I thought it meant with, like whiz wit. Whiz wit. That's what yeah, I thought. That's yeah. a onions. Philly cheesesteak with cheese whiz, wit onions. <laughs> <laughs> wit. Wit. I told, That's I, what I do behind Everybody the go barn. to Pat's Take and order a whiz. whiz. Today's... Uh, Got anything wit? <laughs> <laughs> what are we in the hood? Fit to get? Today. Fit oh, my God. Fit to get. Fit to get. get. Now you sound like my youngest daughter. I'm about to fit to get it. I'm, I'm, fitting, to, I'm fitting to whip you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> fitting to get it. Um, <laughs> we have totally gone off. Today, yeah. Today's uh, release was uh, Derek and Ryan Lambert. Um, oh, yeah. That, nice. You know, that... 
that very small two hour and 40 minute uh, podcast we did. And I had a conversation with him this week and uh, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, doing something on, on myth vision talking about us. So it's one of his favorite podcasts, which is pretty cool. We love, we love him. He made it out there. They're out there. They're happy. Their family's together. So everything is really good for Derek. So very good. I'm excited about that one going up. It'll be interesting. There'll yeah. be a reaction there. Are you, are you going to do the whole two hours and 30 minutes? We already minutes? released it. Oh, okay. We dropped okay. this morning, yeah. yeah. If you want I, I know you talked about splitting it up, but... I we decided just to go ahead and let it go because I don't want three weeks of negative <laughs> stuff coming to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just get it all over with. Just tear the Band-Aid off. Let's get back into this one, guys. So we are at the final part. We are at the Esther finale. Can you believe it? Finally. Billy cannot move on to another woman. Yeah. And then next week yeah. he's going to yeah, say, oh, just... by the way, the new translation is added four chapters. Yeah. We're <laughs> now just you... now getting comfortable where we can fart around each other. <laughs> you know? I think I showed up at the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Rick is sitting right next to Billy. Yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of no-gays. <laughs> so... My first time I sat right there too, Rick. I understand. Yeah, careful. Yeah. It's a little sticky over the, there. The uh, candy's starting to rub off. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, where we were in the last one is whenever uh, it's finally they've they've put out this edict to say, "All right, you can defend yourself," you know. And we we heard what happened to Haman, how he was hung on the same gallow that was he built for Mordecai, and King Ahasuerus went outside, smoked a camel or a pack of camels. I don't know how long while he waited. And he comes in and he uses that word. Assault, which we learned in their in their language, meant to rape. So he was full of anger, and he saw uh, Haman in that way, and he he just he was done. And then I, I can't remember the name of the the eunuch at the time. It's, it's uh, like Harabona or something. <laughs> I'll make up names. <laughs> just great. believe it. Just believe it. But um, he comes in. And he's like, look. Um, and even right now, the man that saved the king's life, Mordecai. Haman's building a, a gallow for him. And so he says, get him out of here. And then it's from that point on, it says that the king's anger was abated. But then he lets Mordecai and Esther write this edict to be sent out. Remember, this is like the third month, 23 days out of that third month was already taken. So they had to send the king's horses out and put all this information out, you know, so that the Jews could defend themselves. So on this purge day, they had the ability to fight back. What's this, Ralph's great, 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 great grandfather, maybe, somewhere in there? Hey, Possibly. all the king's horses yeah. and all the king's men, baby. Um, <laughs> baby. So um, we also want to remember, what I really want you guys to focus on as we complete this is, is that Haman was an Agagite, and we've talked about this throughout this entire podcast, that this this is a 1,008-year grudge match between the Amalekites and the Israelites. That's really what we're reading about right now. There's some fulfillment of prophecy. This is all taking place during the time of like right after Daniel and the Babylonian exile, right after Ezekiel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. This is all when they're rebuilding the temple, they're rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the wall. All of that's taking place over here in Persia and Susa the Citadel is where this story is taking place, which is in modern day Iran. And so this is happening simultaneously to like the, Nezra, the, the Ezra and Nehemiah stories or shortly after. So <clears throat> keep in mind. What's the year? Um, 2022. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> When did this take place? <laughs> it was around four. It was in. It was in the 
5th century BC. It was like 489, I think it was, or maybe 429. I don't know. Maybe maybe Mr. Carter could do a Google search for us and tell us when did the book of Esther actually take place in time. Um, <clears throat> so, let's get to chapter 9. Sarita, if you don't mind, would you please read all 12, uh, uh, the 12 verses of uh, chapter 9, please? <clears throat> Now, in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could stand against them, for fear of them had fallen on all peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them, for Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men and also killed Parshandatha and Dalphon and Aspatha and Poratha and Adalia and Aradatha and Parmashta and Arisai and Aridai and Vaisatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they laid no hand on, hand on the plunder. That very day, the number of those killed in Susa, the citadel, was reported to the king, and the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa, the citadel, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and also the 10 sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your wish? It shall be granted you, and what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. Thank you. So this has been the moment that they've all been waiting for. The day, the 13th of Adar has finally hit. We've been reading about the 13th of Adar so much. And remember, we called this series, A Lot Can Change A Lot. And that's because we started with the kickoff of the holiday of Purim, Pur meaning lot. And this one man, Haman, was so determined to kill this people, the people of the God of the universe, that he decides to take this lot and cast it to find out what day he's going to slaughter and eradicate that entire race with a tiny, like a 20-sided die from a Dungeons and Dragons game, okay? He's just, if it lands on 13, we're going to be on the 13th of Adar, bro. It is wild that I missed that somehow. Really? You I didn't know that? I missed that. Yeah, somewhere so, along the line, I missed that, that detail. Yeah, I mean, it's, which is quite amazing, you know, to think that somebody would use this little thing, this little 20-sided die, and say, all right, wherever we cast, that's when we're going to kill him. And they did it, and he said, one year from now. So that lot changed a lot. It changed the entire planet. But not only that, like we talked about in the early episodes, guys, because we're going to finalize this, so let's just sort of recap as we go. Remember, this is the lineage of Christ. This is the people of Christ. This is, this is where all of the Jews throughout all of the lands, and that includes Israel, by the way. This goes all the way through Israel, Jerusalem, everywhere. The actual ancestors of Christ could have been killed and that could have ended the line. And I think that's something that I want to remember 
because throughout time, there are all kinds of attacks on that line. That's what we, we learn whenever we see the genealogies. The genealogy is nothing more than the address to the Messiah. Right, and there were prophecies that these were fulfilling. So if, if, if anything would have happened along the way, uh, then they— then it wouldn't happen. You know, Christ wouldn't exist because you had all these prophecies that led up to it. So if it would have been, this line would have been killed off, well, then nobody would have believed because the prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. Exactly. So and Esther fact, was made queen in 478. 478. Excellent. So that would have been, yeah, okay. Excellent. Thank you. So I think, what was the Babylonian captivity was in uh, 529? So this, yeah, this was 40 or 50 years yeah, no. she was made queen for seven. No, years. actually, they were they were in captivity for seventy years before they were released, and then they were, then Cyrus allowed them to go back. So five eighty nine, five eighty nine BC is whenever the when uh, Jerusalem was sacked. So it was a little while. So anyway, regardless, so that one lot that they cast changed a lot for the Jewish people and for the entire world, and it even affects. Listen, think about it, guys. The turn of the dice affects us even today, if you're a believer in all of this. I think it probably affects you even if you're not. Thank you. You're probably right. Even if, you, yeah, you know, if you don't believe, it's still what's going on all around you and your nation with what other people I mean, believe too, absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, totally I mean, this that. is a, a religion that branched into Christianity and the Muslims, the Muslim religion. How do you say that? I feel like an idiot. Islam. Yeah. Islam, thank you. Uh, and what is the I mean, if you take those three as one, is absolutely the most dominant religion? No, maybe not. There could be more like like uh, Buddhists, like India is so big and China is so big. But what one of the two or three absolutely most dominant religions in the world, and it dictates your everyday life if you live in <laughs> the U.S. or most of Europe and, you know what I mean, South yeah. America, parts of Africa. I mean, it's it, you can't overstate how important these things are. They were important in their day, and then you add the the butterfly effect over time. It's yep. absurd. There's no no way to imagine what the world would be like if some small thing in this story was different. Or, as long as the story's true, which I don't know. I, I assume it's partially true at least. But yeah. but yeah, the point's the same. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and just a small little point. I think it was 586. You said 589? Yeah, 586. Maybe 589. Yeah, 586, you're right. Um, I was having dinner with— uh, Colin Riley, um, and we were geeking out, Andy, on uh, Quantum Leap, like talking about Quantum Leap, you know, <laughs> I the remember. show and everything. <laughs> they, they've brought Quantum it back Leap. on Netflix. There's a new version, I think. Yeah, there is. No, it's on C um, NBC. Uh, NBC, Peacock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Monday nights. Quant <laughs> Somebody's watching <laughs> I it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Is it. Is it good? Because yeah. the original was really good. The original. I, and they do not try to overthrow Scott Bakula because I was going to. Throw fists. So, is there going to be a podcast on TV in a no, hundred years? And the guy people who, are going to be remembering no, dates of shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, it, Colin and I were geeking out on the old Quantum Leap, and um, good show. I just remember when we were eating, he said, "If I could go back in time, I would kill Abraham and stop all this bleepity bleep bleep." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "It's all the three major religions, dude. It would stop them all. This is crazy." True. I was probably. Like, wow. Yeah, maybe. Man. But God. Yeah. If they weren't Abraham, it would have been someone else. Oh, yes, of course. Now, we but believe God. this, but I'm just saying, you know, he's a non-believer. Oh, God gotcha. would have dropped him on his horse that day and blinded him. <laughs> yeah, and Colin's food could have choked him. So, <laughs> let's remember. Hey, uh, do you have the notes, Cherry? Yes. Um, will you read... 
Proverbs 16.33. So what we what we just said about how important the lot was, I want everyone to remember. We said this in the first couple of episodes. Let's recap that. Is it in there? Yeah. I got 21. Here, you want this piece of paper? I like this bout of silence so How much about, that I'll leave it in. Yeah. yeah. That? Yes. Sorry. I'm used to reading it out of the Bible itself. So when I seen it, I was expecting it to be like, oh, you don't consider Rick's good work. Answer. Rick's good if answer. God had wanted me to read off a phone, <laughs> yeah. right, he'd have gave me a bigger phone. You need to convert to Welchianism. Which right. stone tablet is it on? <laughs> the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. There you go. So the lot is cast into the lap, and then, but that decision is Lord. So it's almost like you think it's chance, but in this case, the Lord is the one that's making the decision. So he chose the 13th of Adar. God chose the 13th of Adar. Not Haman, not the lot. God did. And I think that's important. It's a God God's story. God's the Jedi. You remember when he throws that uh, thing, let, we let the defeats decide, and then he, yeah. yes, the dice goes to the... It would have been a different story if the uh, if if the choice was one to two months away rather than a year. Yeah, <laughs> a much different story. That yeah, it certainly would have been. They would have had really fast horses. And so, if you don't mind, Cherry, would you read Proverbs twenty one one through three? Because there's some we we talked about this before in the previous episode. We talked about what happens to the king's heart, right? What happens to the king's heart? But if you read on, you learn even more. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Anybody else's toes feel a little bruised after that particular verse? No. Yes. <laughs> should. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Yeah, it's... If we talk about the king, you know, we've talked about Biden or Trump or whoever it might be in the world that we live in right now. If you are Charles, huh? King Charles the king, third. Yeah, oh, is that who? Was a post <laughs> king? king. It was a third. It was a shout out. Carter third. It was a shout out to Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just out of, just out of curiosity. Do you think King Charles has anything to do with anything? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I as don't. far as dispensationalism, a lot of people think this means something. No, I feel bad. It means bad. nothing. I'm I sorry. feel bad for him at, for having to come behind her. I'm and, not even sure he to, means anything to the English government. Right. I mean, I'm just saying I, because she was so beloved in her country, guys, and around the world. I've been to England. I've been to London. I've walked around. I've talked to the people. Don't believe the TV. Those people don't give a crap. No. They don't care. It's America that cares. They don't. Yeah, outside of England, it's romantic. the The concept is romantic, but inside of England, they just they're just but like the they're line leeches. To go was five miles. Yes, when she died. Tradition. Yeah, but I'm just saying. In I most would not cases, be him. they might say, "Oh yeah, okay, we respect the queen or whatever." But what has she done? She's. I mean, never mind. Yeah, I think I know he she said did it a lot. best. He said it's tradition. Tradition. Yeah. So the two extra verses. So the stream. The king's heart's in a stream of water, is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. So we know that, we can know that in our own time, if we, are, if we believe that now, that doesn't mean that what we want the leader to do is what's happening. It says that the, it's what the Lord wills, right? It's hard for me to believe that Trump 
or Biden are doing things that the Lord wills based on some of the things that I believe. However, I have to trust that that's real if I'm going to continue to believe it, you know? I think it would be difficult to be a believer if I thought that God micromanaged things, because to look around and to believe in any sort of micromanaging, you'd have, that would be daunting, I suspect. And I think you're—go ahead. What's kind of interesting is from the point of casting a lot is you're giving up the authority to make the choice. Mm -hmm. You're allowing something else. Yeah. So Gravity. How in it—very much so, (laughs) but allowing the Lord to take over that. We saw that, and you spoke that, Mm -hmm. that the Lord made the choice by making the die stop where it stopped, Mm -hmm. but he let it go. So, Rick, does that mean that you believe everything's predestined and doesn't matter what we think and we're going to do what, what the Lord already thinks we're going to do? I, we've sort of had this conversation. We've touched on this No, 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 no. Actually, I have. It's just based on what he just said. No, no, no. I I'm sure there are in, people out there that have questions. I'm not going to get into the deepness of it, but I believe in the volition of man. I think that, you know, if I make you mad enough, you might come over here and smack me in the face. You know, but there was a cause and effect. Why did I do it? You know, I might deflect it, punch, you know, Kimsey, right in the candies. <laughs> that, but, uh, I want to say, I want to, yes, money, I'd she'd pay, pay money Pocky to see that. for that. Pocky my, hockey. My candies? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm kidding. Him hitting you and you retaliating. Just, okay. yeah. but, yeah. Make them Skittles? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow. This guy needs to come back. He does. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Got so, good jokes. So, um, before, you know, rather than get into the depth of am I a four point versus five point Calvinist and what do I believe? I know that there are scriptures all over, these verses all over scripture that talk about the total and complete sovereignty of God. And I think that man um sovereignty is different than predestination by being preordained. This is this is what he already knows what everybody's gonna do. Do you believe that he already knows today what everyone's gonna do for the rest of their life? Yes. I don't see how he couldn't. I don't see how a sovereign God that's outside of time couldn't know all things. That's what the definition of foreknowledge actually is. But it doesn't matter. That's not what this is about. If For me, you know, we can get into this. Welchianism says some things that are a little bit different than standard theology, right? I have a, I have a belief about Calvinism and that it could possibly stop in a specific time. It's weird. And I've talked to Sullivan and the oh, other guys to I want, it. I want to hear that. Not, maybe not today, but uh, call <laughs> well, me. I want to hear that. In I'm the in- same way that preterists, former, you know, whether partial or full preterists believe that time statements matter in the Bible and that you're reading other people's mail. Right. I think that you're reading other people's mail talking about a sovereign God that's doing something in a specific time that had no end. And at the end, it says the Spirit and the bride say, come in Revelation. That is ongoing fulfillment. I can say to myself that God doesn't have to do that anymore because the plan is complete. Why, why be so sovereign over all things today if all things are fulfilled? See what I mean? It doesn't matter because I'm sure somebody's going to argue, and I can't wait oh, for the out, mail. He's out inventing another world. He's left us behind. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that movie Left Behind is we truly are left behind. As as most Christians say today, that God is control of everything. Is he not? Yeah. Well, but, then then we answer the question. And control means he can control what we do. I just don't think that it's predestined that when we're born, our life is all laid out in front of us. I think that he gave us choice. Uh, and that choice means that at any point in time, I can turn left instead of right. Now, if he wants me to turn left, he can make me turn left. But I don't think he started in the beginning and said, at this point, 
he's going to turn left. That, I, I that is a very that. good debate. I mean, I mean, I think that Haman had all kinds of plans. That was an excellent bring back into oh, the that story. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you. So, <laughs> we were all thinking it. Sorry. Uh, Haman. Yeah, but I got to brag on myself. Haman. <clears throat> yeah, I love this guy. Haman had plans, right? Haman had plans. Oh, definitely. And Esther and Mordecai were aware of his plans, and there was an edict put out where they couldn't stop it. They couldn't control it. It was done. They were annihilated. And so Esther just decided to tell everybody not to eat, right? Not to eat. So man, there's a way in which a man should go or who a way that he will go, but it all leads to death. That's a proverb as well. It's, there's a way in which, how does it go? There's, there's a way, a way that which, seems right unto man, that seems right to man, but leads unto death. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And that's true for all men because we all die, right? But And women. Women don't die. That basically ties in with Ecclesiastes. Yes, you're absolutely right. It does. So anyway, Haman, Haman had all these plans, and then it stops. And I believe that, it, you know, as we said in the acrostics, I believe that God was the one— This is a God story. This is not a historical story. It's a religious story. So God is the one in control. Every way of a man is right in his own, in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. I think that's true. I think that Haman was wicked and was the enemy— but I also think that Mordecai was wrong in the station that he was in at the time. Mordecai, Mordecai told himself as well as his—well, I don't know if it was himself. I don't know if they knew he was a Jew or not. Did they? I mean, how do you know a His Jew? name was Mordecai. I'm just kidding. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Traditional <laughs> Jewish name. Well, at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you about Morduka. He could have been called Morduka, which was a god of the Persians, by the way. Well, didn't it say in one point, and I'm pretty sure it did, that he went to uh, put ashes on his head and sackcloth and went into mourning? That is a Jewish thing. That was not see, he necessarily— didn't do it before. That's my point. You bring it right up. Yeah. Up until that point, Mordecai was in the wrong because he's telling Esther, hide who you are. He's telling himself, hide who I am. He's at the gate. He's watching for her, but don't tell them who you are. Because if they know who you are, what does that mean? Evidently, the people weren't necessarily liked, I would assume. But it's all assumption at this point. But Mordecai doesn't show that he's a Jew until he actually gets in the sackcloth and ashes. And then this amazing thing happens after this fast, right? Where all of a sudden, the dude that's in sackcloth and ashes is sitting on top of a king's horse wrapped in robes with a crown on his head, and his enemy is leading him through the street saying, this is the one whom King Ahasuerus wants to honor. It's a little bit of a push making the assumption that had he exhibited had he exhibited as a Jew earlier, that the situation would have been similar. Does that make sense? Like, Timing's everything. I was going to say the same thing. It's timing. Yeah. There was, a, there was a time that he wasn't meant to openly display who he was. And then there was a timing for him to finally display hmm. who he was. I, I can't say that it was entirely unwise that he hid his culture before he revealed it. But you can't argue with the results of what did happen. Right. You're right. When you said timing, you made me think, do you know what the difference between a good comic and a bad comic is? Yeah, you, you and the guy and they pay. <laughs> <laughs> did you get it? Yeah. <laughs> what did you say, Ralph? But I got the laugh. <laughs> I said the difference is between you and then the guys that get paid. Oh, yeah. 
to do so every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the lord weighs the heart to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord in sacrifice i thought that was crazy i was like wait a minute think about that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice you can sacrifice for the wrong reasons well, you can, but in you, his, he's talking about sacrifice. He's not talking about sacrificing yeah, something. How is that any different, though? If you think about when Jesus came and okay, he was well, going to start his ministry, and he's telling them not to reveal who he is, yeah, because it was not his timing, right, to reveal who he Way is. So he was still the, the Jew. Way. He was still a Jew, though. Well, Mordecai knew he was a Jew. They, he was still. I was no, no, that's one point. Jew. No, no, no. Jesus is among Jews. Yes, but he was the Christ. Yes. He hid that. But yes. he wasn't hiding his Jewishness is what yeah, Rick is saying. Ha- what's that? But he, uh, I mean, that who's to say that all it, the people that are out there, uh, how many people were Jews and how many people were not? I mean, they said they speculating put themselves at best, in there. I would think quite a few if they were right. able to fight back so well. Right. So how many people were hiding who they were? But not know. everybody hated them. It says they only those no, no, that no. they hated them. They blended in. It, obviously, he blended in, or he wouldn't have been able to stay out in front of the gate as long as he did, or even bring Esther to have her go through what she went through to become queen. Oh, yeah. I would say back then, in those times, there were so many wars and this faction taking over that faction. There were plenty of people hiding who they were yeah. because they'd been they'd all been conquered. Uh, there isn't one there isn't one sect of uh, humans back then that hadn't been conquered at least once. So mm-hmm. there, someone's hiding everywhere. That's yeah. the, the comparison is between the two. They were both under occupation. Mm-hmm. Jesus was under Roman occupation, and now they're currently, we're speaking of underneath Babylonian or Persian, Persian. O- mm-hmm. occupation. Sure. Did you actually, catch did you Actually, catch it's not. It's not occupation. Well, I meant— they didn't because Israel was set free by Cyrus, which was King Ahasuerus's grandfather, and so that means that he sent them to be free. Was he really though? Think what? about it. What? Because here he Haman was Mordecai. Was any of the Jews truly really free? Think oh, about no, no, it. No, 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 no. They they still had to they still had to pay taxes. Yeah. So so you think about it. Are out you of the, really free? Out of the group of people, I'm not. They, I'm so not. many decided to go back. And so many decided to stay because probably for the same reason that the that the um, Israelites got upset when um, they were brought out of Egypt, and then they were, even though they were slaves in Egypt for as long as they were, they still looked at Moses like we were better off back there than we are here. Mm-hmm. I, I get the same thing. I'm from California and Southern California, and I live in the South. South. Preservation. And folks don't want to. They don't. They don't care about people from Cali- from California. Yeah, yeah they probably a, put a lot on you if you meet the wrong folks. Right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, like literally a mile from here. They'll really put it on you, son. It's true. You gotta su- get down there in Edneyville, son. In Haywood County. <laughs> yeah. Transylvania. Put the hammer down on you, boy. That's right, Yancey. But they had done what normally the Lord talks about a lot in the Bible. They had so assimilated into the culture that they could not be discerned from the others. Yeah. And I don't think that's what God but, wants from His people. So, I mean— I don't think they could fully assimilate, though. Like, I mean, well, they maybe, obviously intermarried. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is that people were able to act and dress like a Jew to keep from being killed because of the edict, right? So if that means that, oh yeah, that's right. So that yeah. means that they they can assimilate, but they also look different enough to where people know that they're Jewish. 
And so that's why I always thought Mordecai had hid. And then once he come, once he realized what's happening to his people, that's when he starts to show his true Jewishness. He's doing something that no one else does. Nobody else puts on sackcloth and ashes yeah, in but any another, other culture. Another, another thing about those times, uh, most people lived in groups of their own. You didn't have folks mixing with each other. So the Jews all lived in that side of town, and these people lived in that side of town. And all the communities were of whatever faith, religion, uh, uh, background you were. So yeah. people lived, so people, there's had to have been somebody that knew he was living over there. Mm-hmm. There there were very few people back then, e- even today, when people, and immigrants come over, they usually come over in waves, and they usually, most of them, not all, most of them live in the same area. And yeah, I think you've, I think all three of you have actually changed my mind. I think that they had to have known that he was, we're they had to have. Huh? We're sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you proved me wrong. No, I think no. you're right. I think he, he, I guess maybe it had, maybe the reason why his mourning is not just because of his, I mean, it's because of his people and what's going on, but it just seems well, to be. Well, he might just been an invisible Jew. You know, it's like, okay, he's Jewish and he's not hiding it and, 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 there may be people that know it, but it may not be one of those things where he's touting it and where everybody knows. It's just, yeah, there are some people that know, uh, but the king probably didn't. Well, as the know story led up, that was there. They all know that the edict's been out that they're going to be murdered mm-hmm. and killed to a certain point. You're not going to hang out in the open. That would yeah. make you hide a little. Certainly, you think? Yeah. yeah. So whatever your Jewishness was, you try to hide it. Yeah. Yes. If not before, then certainly the minute you heard about that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it is that makes him look Jew. It's not tight pants. <laughs> so, Rita, do you mind reading Esther chapter 9, verses 13 through 19? Sarita will read it. How about Rita? No. Sarita, Rita. She's not here The meter maid's not here today. My, uh... Sarita! And Esther said, if it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow to do also to do according to this day's edict. And let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa. But they laid no hands... Am I reading the right thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day, they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day and on the 14th and rested on the 15th, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in the rural towns hold the 14th day of the month of Adar as a day of gladness and feasting, as a holiday, and as a day on which they send gifts of food to one another. Purim. That's right. Purim, which is how we kick this off. So I love the fact that Esther asks for a second day. And I had really wondered, like, do you remember in the beginning of this, whenever I said it was weird that she asked for a second day to, to have Haman come for a feast? Remember how I said I thought that was kind of risky? I was thinking about that, and I was like, why? And I don't know why exactly, but I, in, in my personal opinion, and Sarita, you asked in the last part about fasting. Do you remember in your fasting ever getting like a very clear mind? Like, did you come to a place where you just felt like, 
Like if you read the scriptures, it's almost like it absorbed immediately. Have you ever been? Have you ever felt that way? I know you have. Huh? I know you have. I've had. I mean, I'm just curious if you if you during the fast, like one one thing that happened to me in my fast was I suddenly got clarity on things that I never had seen before, and and I almost felt like I could reach out and touch it. It was so clear to me, and I wondered why Esther had asked for that second day because that was at the end of the end of her fasting. And she asked for that second day, and I was like, why is she asking for a second day? Is she just trying to set up? I think that she is seeing something that God's showing her. I am really reading into this, guys. I'm going No, but I think, I, I think that intuition and things like that, like, let's take, for instance, you had a nice, comfortable job you'd been in for a long time, mm-hmm. and you stepped out yeah, and bought a piece of that business, and look what you've grown it into. But stepping out, that, that took... That took Come overcoming fear, having a moment of clarity of I can do this, and then doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar. Yeah. This, to, to, to put it in layman's terms for everybody out there to understand what it is that you're saying that she's come to, because you know, this could have changed her whole life. I mean, you know, she she stepped she she was made queen, but the previous one was was told to go over on a whim. So she could be gone on a whim too. And as a Jew, she could have been killed because there was an edict. So she's she's stepping on, yeah, on eggshells here. Exactly. It feels like, yeah, like a razor thin line. Absolutely. And it felt like, why was she asking for the second day? What you got? Could it be better that he she asked him while he's inebriated? Or in the mood to already say yes, like Get he him has. happy. That's, Get him in a better mood. Party him up. Make well, him I mean, that happened on the first day. Remember, remember, they drank. And they he was had, on a two-day bender. Yeah, he was a two-day bender. That's what happened so, to John the Baptist. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> Best time okay. to ask. He's just what Esther, you got. He's just, all right, let's, he, let's he, think about it for a he's second. He's just Esther whooped. That's it. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's everybody's in here either married or been married, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Now, let's be real. Has there not been a time in your relationship or past relationships ever that you know you're going to have to present something to your spouse? Mm-hmm. And you have to contemplate this. You have to think about it. How am I going to do this? What's her gonna... favorite meal? So, so Honey, you, you want to go out to dinner? Spouse enough, well enough to know. You're like, okay, they like this, they like this, they like this. So you butter them up. If I bring home some potted so plants, if I, I know I'm going to wait. And you, if, if you know your spouse well enough, like Sarita said like about spam. the night after the the night <laughs> after that drinking. you know, and if you know your spouse well enough, you're like. Now's the time. My wife knows with me to just say it because any buttering up, I'm like, what do you want? Yeah. That's why they just get better at buttering you up. You don't see it coming. Yeah, yeah right. see, yeah. she's so good at it. She doesn't have to say yeah, anything. She true. just holds her hand out. Yeah. This, it's just like you just work your way into the, okay, I need to have a conversation with you. <laughs> Speaking of conversations, <laughs> I'm going to have to have a side conversation with Rodney about how you're manipulating him in your marriage. Go ahead. Bang. <laughs> yeah. You think he doesn't know? Side study. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't have a clue, I promise. Good, luck, sure good luck with that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I, looking at her, I think he doesn't care. Yeah. You know? It's, He's he's got it made. Yeah, he's looking at. He just called you hot. I didn't take it that way. That's oh, kind of what he meant. I thought he meant that I was just <laughs> you know, overall a good person. <laughs> looking you looking should've. at Cherry. No, it's hard to look at somebody and say that's a good person. No, you can say not. that's a really good hot person right there. That's a really good-hearted person. <laughs> See, that's how you say that, Rick. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, bless your heart. She's a good-hearted go. woman in there love go, with the yeah. two time. I was, I was, I was <laughs> on that a. That is true. With I, I was just on a training program, <laughs> and they were they were talking about bless your heart, and a gal from Jersey says, "Well, that means this." With the finger, I was like, no, it doesn't. She goes, yes, it does. I talked to somebody. I said, you're from Jersey. Of course, that's what it means. But down in the South, it doesn't. Yeah. It only means that to the people up North. <laughs> Jersey. Yeah. We only reference that when we're talking when about we're people talking from the North. Heart. That's, yeah. right. that's exactly right. Bless your right. heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means I can say whatever I want to mm-hmm. next. Right. right. So, so in this most recent one that you just, you know, that we saw, everything, everything was reversed. The Jews are winning. Everything is reversed. And you see the two, you see the three days of fasting. Then you see the two days of feasting with Esther. And then you get two days of fighting in Susa the Citadel. And I like the fact that she had the fast, she had the fast, then the feasts, and then the fights. Like, and she was ready. She covered her F's. She <laughs> she got and told Haman to go f himself. Well, so I, so I have a question in a really nice way. Yeah, <laughs> and I've Bless always had heart. this question, and I'm not sure I've ever gotten a good answer. Did they just hang the dead bodies? They did. So, so it was just hanging the dead bodies. So they were killed the day before. They weren't talk, killed well, twice. Well, no, it was the ten sons. Yeah. If you'll notice about the ten sons, that's something else we need to bring up. So they killed them on the thirteenth in the Susa of, of the Citadel. The first day. First day. The second day. They hung all 10 of them. And it's important to remember, which I put in the notes, there was already somebody on that gallow. It was their father. So we have 11 men hung on those gallows, which I thought was odd that he built such a giant gallow. That's, what a, big, else? that's a big one. Yeah, so it's kind of like, what did Haman have in mind? Was he going to stop with Mordecai, or did he have other things in mind? I think he had other things in mind. I think Mordecai was the first. Yeah, with the the timing being so close of the building of the gallows, being so close to the date of the purge, whatever it's called, uh, probably. Yeah, he probably had other plans. Yeah, so you're you're probably right. and it's But it's big. So the, so the sons that were killed on the 13th were hung on the 14th. And so they were they hung dead men to make a to show everybody. But it's important to remember anytime something's mentioned about these sons or about Haman, that they when they killed them, they did not take the plunder. Now in Mordecai's edict, he tells them to take the plunder, but they don't when it's in regard to Haman. And do you know why? Because they weren't supposed to take it the first time. A thousand and eight years before. That's exactly right. What was told to Moses in regard to Amalek? Do what not was, take anything. That's exactly right. And um, it's actually told to the Jews several times, but because some guys hide it under their tent, and yes. that brings yep. the whole yep. destruction down. There on are top some of times them. when he tells them to go ahead and take it, and there are some times when he tells you not. In regard to Amalek and of the Amalekites, and in regard to King Agag the Agagite, who was the Amalekite king in regard to Saul. And Jerry, if you don't mind, I want you to read uh, 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3. We're going to go back. We talked about this a little bit. We did this in the Halloween episode, and we're also doing it right now in the Esther series. We've already done it in the Esther series. I want to remind you of this 1,008-year grudge match between these two and what's really important and how the Jews knew. This is what helps you to understand how the Jews knew who these Gogites were or the Agagites were. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek 
did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Right. So as you see, he tells him, wipe them out. Even their donkeys. Wipe out their burrows. Right? Bad news for us. Bad news. (laughs) Oh, but we still bray. (laughs) I'll put the noise in. The sound. Yep. That one. (laughs) Don't do mine. So, but now in 1 Samuel 15, if you would, Cherry, read uh, verse 7 through 9 and listen to what happened, though. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah. As far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So what did they do? They kept all the good stuff. They didn't listen. They kept the good stuff, and Saul did not kill the king, and his name was Agag. And because of that, even though Agag died, his family survived. By saying that the father survived means that his posterity survives. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. When he's, because, his progeny. Yes. In, in there, his line did not end. Yes, that's correct. If the king is left alive, that means that his children are also alive. So he thinks himself, king does, King Ahag that day, he's like, oh, things are okay. I'm good. I'm good. Remember? And Saul hacked him up. But still, the sons escaped. And that's why years and years and years later, here we are, this Hamadatha is a descendant, and Haman, his son, or Haman, his son, and then all of his 10 sons, that's still from King Saul's decision not to do what God said. And Samuel, even though we did, you know, Ralph, you really didn't care for Samuel, you know, Samuel warned him, what have you done? You have not done what God said. And so Samuel tried to stop and do what God said, but it was too late. They'd already created this problem. It's the Old Testament God. Yeah. And so we can assume when the 10 were hung, the children, grandchildren, wives, there was none left behind. They're done. They're all gone. They're gone. Yep. That's the end of them. I think in a world as kind of awful and violent as the world was that long ago, if you want some sort of peace, I think that's how far you might have to go to get it in a lot of situations. Yeah, you're right. And as evil as it sounds, as harsh as it sounds, it's the only way you can get it to stop. Yeah, look what happened when he didn't. A thousand and eight years later, we're still dealing with this problem, or they're still dealing with this problem. Right. I wasn't alive. No. But. <laughs> yeah, but I think if you would have been back there, you'd have said that to somebody. Yeah. Look what look what you created. I think she gets back when she gets to heaven, she's gonna be thinking, dude, look come what on you now. did. Look what you did. I, I, look what you really? did down here. Well, I think that if you think about Purim now, if you think about what an excitement this is, not only are they saving themselves, but they've ended this one thousand and eight year war between two tribes. It's finally done and it happened through this young woman this beautiful young woman that God elevated. She was a sex worker, and she he elevated her to a queen. Isn't that amazing? 
Rita, do you, sorry, Sarita, do you mind to read Esther 9? And this is, I want you to read uh, 20. You think that's how they got the premise for the movie Pretty Woman? Well, I was thinking about Reba. <laughs> Why? Oh, uh, fancy and, don't and let fancy me down. Fancy don't let me down. <laughs> Here's one chance, fancy don't let me down. That's okay. When he said, when he said winning earlier, you know, they're winning. And I'm like, I'm thinking Charlie Sheen, winning, winning, winning. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> we, uh, we, sorry, quick derailment. We foster dogs. And right now we have this little Chinese crested, which if you don't know, is like this incredibly ugly dog without fur. And it has a terrible skin condition. And uh, we're fostering it until the skin gets better and then it'll get adopted. And uh, my wife decided that its name was Fancy after the <laughs> Rima song. So, so right. I'm curious because what I might do is convince my wife to let me take that dog and name her Fancy Esther. <laughs> Fester. How do you like them? Fester. 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 Uncle Fester. <laughs> Even better. Oh, man. Even more fitting. <laughs> I have a great how picture. About, how about of, uh, Fancy Hadassah? Fa- hey, because that was her, That's her, Hebrew, her, her name. Hebrew name. That's right. And um, Cherry, I have a great picture of you and Rodney as Uncle Fester and oh, Granny, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Grandmama. Grandmama from uh, Adam's family. It was fantastic. Nice. All right. So let's read uh, chapter 9, verse 20 through 32, which will finish up chapter 9. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day of the same year by year as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast poor, that is, cast lots, to crush and destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they called these days Purim, after the term poor. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter, and of what they had faced in this matter, and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written and at the time appointed every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim shall never fall into disuse among the Jews, Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel, and Mordecai the Jew, gave full written authority confirming this second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus in the words of peace and truth that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them. And as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts and their lamenting, the command of Esther confirmed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. Yeah, so after all of this stuff, and now they have this Purim, they actually make it a memorial. 
It's not just a holiday, it's a memorial. They want to remember this, and they call it by the name of which caused it, the per, the, the, the lot, the casted lot against them, and they would remember it. And they made that something that was to be reminded and done by every generation from them. Remind me, Ralph, when did this take place? I mean, Esther was elevated in 487. 487 B.C. Mm-hmm. So 487 B.C., Esther was elevated, and we are at year 2022 now. So we are at exactly, what, 2,199 years later? Am I wrong? No, no, more than that. Say 500 plus 2,200 is 27, so it was 2,600 years. By the way, they still celebrate this to this day, every single year. They still do it, no matter where they are, anywhere. They've been scattered throughout the world, and they still celebrate and remember what God did for them. They're such a unique culture. They really are. So let's, uh, if you don't mind, Rita, let's, Rita, let's finish this out. Let's, um, we're going to go on to Esther chapter 10. There's only three verses, and that completes the reading of the scripture of Esther. King Ahasuerus imposed tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea, and all the acts of his power and might, and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Medea and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought the welfare welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. So it's important to remember that in a lot of these stories, when God is working for his people, even though he's behind the scenes and his name is only hidden, Hashem, the name, the Tetragrammaton, those four letters, YHVH, are just dancing around in these little acrostics forward and backwards, and the author's just trying to let you know God's still there. But we had those other scriptures that told us that God was still there. And so what he's done, like he did with Joseph, we all remember the story of Joseph and how his brothers sold him into slavery and how God raised him up, put him in the house of Potiphar's wife, put him in prison, then brought him before the Pharaoh of Egypt, and he became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, and he saved his entire family from famine. And even though his brothers meant it for evil, God had meant it for good. And that's who Joseph was. And Joseph was a type of Christ, just like Mordecai is a type of Christ, just like Daniel is a type of Christ. The Old Testament are slammed full of types of what's coming, and Christ was the perfect antitype to every single one of them. That's what makes this so amazing. Even if you don't believe in God, believe in the literature of the people who believe in Him, because they never let it go for thousands of years. They have believed this thing. That's what they've done. They've held on to this. They believed it. They believed it with all their heart, and they kept these writings for thousands of years, guys. The Chinese have been believing in things for 5,000 years. It's true. Yep. By the way, it's I did. I I'm not negating that the Chinese are amazing people by I any looked, stretch. I looked up on Chabad.org, and the very first Purim was Adar 15, 3405, which is 356 BCE. Hmm. And what they call Esther or the Megillah was recorded in 355 BCE. Hmm. Megillah. Megillah. 
Wow. So that's how much time had passed when they started Purim. Wow. Well, well started Purim or recording it. So she said recording, not doing. Right, yeah, right, right. it's hard to say the difference. Yeah. You, you can't well, tell. But according to, this is a Jewish histor- historical site. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. Yeah, but recorded says, as far as written Haman's down or downfall oral recording. And execution by hanging was 357 BCE. Okay. Well, that's well, pretty clear. When no. I looked up at Britannica, it was it said 350 to 300 BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's in there. All right. Close enough. Yeah. Well, no, I was a hundred and some years off based on what the Bible charts and Matt says as far as the timeline of the Bible. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was a long time ago. What's a hundred years between it. friends? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, truthfully, what's a couple hundred years between friends? Well, there's something that I discovered, and I wanted to share it. This is, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, in Iran, they had an archaeological dig in the 1930s. Now, they don't allow these digs to take place today, okay? But they did back in the 1930s. Was that Persepolis? Persepolis? Pers- Persepolis? Yes, Persepolis. So, um, good job, actually. No, in Persepolis. That's awesome. Um Although we live by faith and not by sight, and this, what I'm about to read, is very interesting, Um, and even scholars will debate this, right? So keep that in mind, and you can Google this when you're done, if you'd like to read, because I I went down this rabbit hole myself, and it was, (laughs) as with anything in the internet, or with YouTube, you can go down that rabbit hole for an entire month if you so choose, but listen to what was written. While Shushan was the winter palace of the Persian kings that might sort of ring the bell of Susa, the citadel. The main capital was at Persepolis. Today, the spectacular ruins of the palace may be visited near the city of Shiraz in Iran. In the 1930s, archaeologists working on the site excavated thousands of official records in the form of small clay tablets. These tablets are known as the Persepolis Administrative Archives, or simply the Persepolis Texts, and today they may be seen at the Oriental Institute of, at the University of Chicago. Of particular interest to Bible students is that the records make reference to an official named Marduka, or Marduku, who served both Darius the Great and Xerxes I, known in the Bible as Ahasuerus. What I wanted to say is something that you had, you uh, Andy and Sarita, you had brought up a couple of times about Mordecai possibly being a power broker. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Or at if, least having some position that wasn't nothing. He this, sat at the king's gate. This discovery could possibly mean that as Mordecai was in the citadel, that he had actually worked for for Xerxes one for Ahasuerus's father. All the kings, by the way, were called Ahasuerus. Okay, just so you understand, from you know, from the from their point of view, but this guy Marduka or Marduku had served Darius and Xerxes, so it's very possible that he could have been a power broker of some form. I, okay, I, so it was her theory for the record. I just thought it made sense. Yes. So let me ask this question: Since Mordecai served Darius the Great and Xerxes the first, or Ahasuerus, very much in the same vein that Daniel served Darius and Cyrus. Cyrus. Yeah, which was... And he uh, was a eunuch. 
that you think, is this a reason Mordecai didn't have, they don't mention any children of Mordecai. So he took took in Esther as a child. It Was he a eunuch? It's quite, it doesn't huh. say, but it's quite possible. I just kind of, you know, Count Dooku over here, Marduku. I just don't, how many eunuchs are, are Hebrew? Do you ever hear of, hear of Hebrews becoming eunuchs? Daniel. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all eunuched. By the Babylonians. Correct. Ah, so maybe yeah. that's quite yeah. possible. When they were taken captive. That while he was in captivity, then he All the strong went. men that they had serving in the castle that yes. were Jewish. Population <laughs> control. So when the huh. Medes and the Persians took the Jews, they obviously Cyrus allowed them to go, but then they could have they, they took the Jews from there and they could have went. So it's quite possible that he was among a group that was pulled to Susa. And so was, and maybe because the father of Esther was dead and she had no parents, then he took her with him. And she became part of his lineage Mm -hmm. because it says her dad and Mordecai. Right. Yeah. Which is, that's in the custom of the Hebrew. It's neither here nor there. I just wondered since it was in the same vein. Yeah, it's all super interesting. Uh, Daniel, like Daniel being... We're speculating, We're but speculating, that's a great yeah. speculation, though. I, I mean, it's quite possible. So, Marduka and Marduku are likely variations of the same name, Mordecai. These records confirm that there was an official or officials with the name of Mordecai during the reign of Ahasuerus. Further, one of the records even places Marduka in Shushan, where the events of the Book of Esther take place. It is impossible to be certain whether this official was the cousin and adoptive father of Esther, heroine of the Jewish people. However, Robert Gordas, a rabbinical scholar writing in the book Religion, Wisdom, and History in the Book of Esther, published in 1981, states that there were two officials with the same name at the same time in the same place is scarcely likely. And it might be also the reason him being a eunuch might be also the reason— he traditionally would have married her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have married her because she was uh, orphaned. Mm-hmm. And cousins, you marry, and that was very common, the next of kin. And maybe that's why they didn't marry. Right. And so she became available for the king. Yeah, I mean, Abraham and Sarah were cousin. Yeah. And, they, and that happened to them. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when, he, when Abraham tries to lie— to the Pharaoh when he's going down to Egypt, he says that this is my cousin. Truth. It's half true. It was his cousin, but it was also his wife. <laughs> but he was given his wife to sleep with, you know, with the Egyptian Pharaoh to save their lives, is what he was doing. I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah, of course. But that was, you know, kind of in line with what you're saying about cousins. And we have that here in you know, North Carolina. We have first and second cousins <laughs> in here all the time. <laughs> Across the border, they any. do brothers and sisters. So you know, <laughs> you meet into Virginia, <laughs> she, West Virginia. He might, he might be my uncle, but he's Which still border my are you daddy. Talking about? Yeah. South Carolinians are thankful for West Virginia because we got somebody to pick on. <laughs> yes. Hey, so I, I I do have a question going back to when Esther was because King Xerxes is from 485 to 465 which puts Esther at 487, but somebody said 300. So I'm, I'm just wondering where that just 300 Britannica came from. said the, the timeline would be 350 to 300. I was just are you guys using A, D, B, C, E, C, E? What B, are y'all C, e. using? You guys are using the common era. Yeah. Yeah, you're off by 100 years. So is that saying A, D versus B, C? This, uh, this is B, C. 
So BC, it's all BC. It's it's all four eighty five to four sixty five yeah, BC, and so she was at BC versus BCE. The, 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 so you have you have two different ways of looking at time. You got the BC and the AD, and then you got BC and uh, or CE and BCE. Common era before the common era. Just so you know, I don't know why, but um, Cherry's making fun of me because of why. You know that stuff, right? It's, it's exactly a hundred years with that whole ABCDEF thing. Sounds so like BS. Probably right. This is BCE, not BC. So yeah, I could be completely wrong. They're both right. But hey, the, I just know it was a long time ago. The Jewish thing is going by the BCE, not the. Yeah, so that, just, they're, 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 we're talking about the talking, same years. Yeah. Yeah, just like this just is like why they were. This is why they were persecuted. We're all Christians against the Jews again. I'm on Billy's version. We're all right and wrong. B C A D B S. Who knows? Yeah. G D. So H S. H S. Oh my goodness. Well, so guys, you know, I'm not. We're not going to record another podcast tonight. We're we're kind of into the next hour, and I just thought maybe we can end this properly since we've had to skip around with Esther so much. And uh, I'd like to just ask you guys individually, and obviously, Rick, I'll let you go first because you've been listening more recently than any of us because our guys don't even listen to our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But what did you think of this study in particular? It was great. It really was. This format. Why? uh, This type of format is something that really needs to be more showcased out in the open where just people can get around and, and talk about things and bring up things from a different perspective. I mean, I've learned so much from a woman's perspective that you don't normally hear mm. that they bring a part into. Because we're not allowed to talk, y'all. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> God. Well, kiss my grits. <laughs> yeah. I love that show. Uh, but there, there's just so much to this format that we need to that we're not always um, we're not always competing to be right. Did mm-hmm. it did it cause you to want to look up something that somebody said? No. <laughs> Dang. I mean, well, it, that's my, a failure. From, well, have you, have, has it caused you but, to study see, or, question, or get that, into the word even more? But that answer for me word? is no, because I've read it. I've read the stories. I've read what's going on. So I'm, as I'm listening to you guys talk about stuff, I'm comparing to what I've read. Okay. So, and that's what I should compare because we're, everything is speculation. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm trying to use what is already speculation from somebody else and not scripture, then I'm doing it wrong. So I'm comparing what's said. Yeah, we talk about interpretation of the scriptures in here a lot. You know, yes. it's, things are always open to interpretation from every single human being. We're going to get into hermeneutics that actually teach you that's incorrect. Yes, there are people that show you how to correctly interpret the scripture. And then I've heard that men argue about the hermeneutics. Oh man. You do understand that, Oof. right? They they argue about the actual approach to interpretation too. So there's there's a plenty of people. I said it like an Italian. There's a plenty of people <laughs> that are out there just writing there's somebody wrong on the internet all day. That's there's always going to be that. For us, it's always opinion and speculation in here because none of us are scholars, but we're just reading it. And so my hope is like what Ralph said. Is anybody picking it up and reading themselves? If not, we're reading it to you. If you're listening, and we're trying to speculate, and if you, you know, if you don't know the answer, then just be patient. Just be patient. That's the second time you said that, and I'm going to correct you on that. What did I say? I think it was the last testimony. It might have been 
We're not, you said we're not scholars. Actually, one of the definitions of scholars is anyone who attempts to learn anything. So, yes, technically we are really? scholars. Yay. Yes, that's Look the third definition. Yeah, I'm we're awesome. women and scholars. Wow. <laughs> Holy mackerel! Holding Andy. down the fort over here. Well, I'm Ooh. telling you, girl. So the third definition really deep. matter though. It does. <laughs> Let's be real. That's Let's be real. The interpretation <laughs> of that. Incorrect. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Thank you, scholar Billy. Sorry, scholar. <laughs> Candy so, over there. Still, Shut your mouth. He's still he's on that so. scholastic book. <laughs> yes. I gotta tell you, Billy is really hot <laughs> under the scholar. Ah! Oh, <laughs> Enter the donkey laugh. But I'm now. Donkey die. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, what did you think of this whole like this whole study here? I it it, it made me look at it. From several different ways, from several different point of views, from several different people's point of views. And, and, and what I mean by that is I'm now thinking about if I live long enough, I want to film a, a series of movies, shorts, um, 30, 40 minutes, um, Jesus through the life of Judas, Jesus through the life of Mary, Jesus through the life of so-and-so. Mm. And that's how I approach this. Okay, what was this like through the eyes of Mordecai? What was this like through the eyes of Esther, through the king Xerxes, uh, from different people's point of view to try to see? One of the things that we talk about is interpretation, and a lot of that interpretation comes from the language in the day uh, and then the culture of the day. But there were many cultures there. There was the culture of the king and the culture of the Jews and the culture of everyone else that lived there that had been conquered. So I was trying to come at this from their culture and look at this a lot of different ways. And so I found it interesting because it made me look at this, you know, four or five different ways uh, to, to try to come up with what I felt was what may have happened uh, back then and what was going through their minds. So you like to take apart the story and look at it from all kinds of different points oh, of view, doing the who, what, where, when, why. And, absolutely. And you'd like to do more of that, but through film. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Andy, so you've never heard the story of Esther before, so this is all new. What'd you think about it? I'm trying to think if I ever actually heard this story before. I might have, but like very brushed, you know what I mean? Not in any detail at all. It would have been like super Cliff Notes version. Mm -hmm. And I don't really remember it. What do I think? He was about? at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and somebody said the word, "Oh, this looks like Purim." And <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he did make a reference to that, which went right over my head because I forgot. But yeah, oh, the bread. Like, yeah, was, yeah, oh, the bread. The bread? Yeah, yeah, like anyway. Uh, what do I think about it? I don't know. I think it's an interesting story. I'm genuinely more fascinated with uh, Sarita's theories about this story than this story itself. I'm not going to lie; like yeah. it's a good story. But it doesn't like get me to a place in my life, right? It doesn't like it doesn't define me. It's just kind of an okay. If you just pull this out of the Bible and and you and you make it as written without rewriting it, a story, then it's just an okay story. Sure, right? I, I, I'm sure somebody could rewrite it in a way that was absolutely riveting. A but night the, with the king. Yeah, there's a movie. Is that what it is? It's a night with the king. A night with the king. How is it? It's actually really good. Is it really good? Yeah. You could obviously you could rewrite it in a way that was riveting, but as it's written in the Bible, yeah, it's like fine. Yeah, but for somebody who has girls, the part <laughs> this is a, this is a this is a great heroine story to say, that's, hey, you oh, can do this. Look too. what you can do. That's that's true too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't just you know, 
I have on my wall, you know, a painting that says, for such, you were created for such a time as this. And I believe that for every person. And we just got to figure out what we're supposed to do in this time that we're created. We're here for a yeah. reason. We have a purpose. So what is that? Her purpose was this. What is your purpose? Study and get ready so that when the opportunity comes that you're prepared. Correct. Do you feel like you have a purpose being here? In this room? Do you think you're supposed to be here? Is that the big here or the small here? Here. In the studio. I'm just here to antagonize you. The small here. Have you ever thought it in that regard? Sometimes. I mean, I didn't intend to become part of the cast. I was just sharing my testimony. And when you talked about Esther, I really love teaching Esther. It's one of my favorite things to teach uh, youth girls, especially. But... um, that and Ruth. I mean, I just I really, really like women are not forgotten by God. And I, I and I want females to hear that. We need to hear that we are not forgotten by God. And men, you need to teach your daughters things. Take them fishing. Teach them how to build. My, my daughter, when she's two years old, I had her working with a, with a bolt and a nut. You, gotta, you, you, you have to empower them or someone else will have power over them. It's that probably true that I'm not looking at the story for its the implications of uh, its place in the Bible and the fact that it has a female heroine that is absolutely one of the two pivotal characters. One sure. of the two well, that's probably two because we've lived with this for a long time. You know what I mean? I'm not seeing it that way. I'm just like, it's a story. Yeah, it seems cool. But I'm not I'm not understanding its import from uh, from that angle, I'm sure. Yeah. And so what did you take away from this from this study? That no matter how many times I teach it, there's still something to glean from it for myself, you know, and sometimes I do think because I'm a mom and I'm, I'm so busy and I forget that I have a purpose right now. My purpose is parenting my kids. That's sort of like my main purpose in life at this moment. They won't always be in my house. So my main purpose, my mission field, if you will, are my children. So, but I do have a purpose outside of that and trying to figure out what that is as an old person, older person, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, we all have this purpose. And do I think I'm supposed to be here? Yes. I think that this was orchestrated um, by God, maybe for me to learn something from y'all. Uh, maybe it's for for me to say something that impacted Andy because he kind of liked my questions on it or my viewpoints or whatever, but like I, I've grown even though I've taught this four or five, six times. Mm-hmm. I, I, grew, I learned. The Bible has a way of doing that, doesn't it? it? It's a living document. Yeah. I, I, it speaks. I mean, you can read the same verse in different times in your life and it means something completely different than it did the first time. I, I was definitely brought here. There's no doubt because I was... You have to bump in here. You just I, jump in. I don't want to overtalk. But no, go ahead. Yeah. I get the, the, I mean, this is so surreal to me, and that you guys don't get to see the moment like I can share with you guys. For the fans that really spend the time to get to know you by your voice and by what you say. I mean, each and every person here at this moment has a part that they're playing to somebody out there that's listening that's listening to you, what you say about your moment and your question, even with Andy. 
I mean, he plays a part in all this. It's crucial that I, I told that him. It's, always, it's like even with Andy. It's kind of like in, in the story. I'm included. It's like yes, Esther. Yeah, the guy like, behind oh, the glass. And the yes. Jews. Yes. And the Jewish language. That was really funny. And I love Andy. That. Yeah, and the, and the Jews. <laughs> but, and in the Jewish even language. Even Andy counts. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love it. Wow. No, just playing. Sorry, Rick. No, no, no. But yes, I get to play a part in this to show you that you do mean something to somebody. Hmm. that you just don't know. And I know life is busy, and I know we're, what our own things are important, but this moment and what you're sharing and talking is touching somebody somewhere. I mean, you talked about how many people listen, and that's quite a few people. We're rapidly approaching 30,000. We're into 28,000, so people, tell people about us. Please, please. So I want to get a whole lot more negative stuff. Click yeah, like link. and share. Yeah, yeah like click and like share. and share. Send it to your Facebook. Rate and review. So, yeah. Rate and review. Yeah. Give me five stars, please. And for negative. Don't no, give me any ideas. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut the last one out, too, where, where Ralph suggested it. I'm going to cut it out. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I'll cut yeah. it out. Ralph. Don't give people ideas. You were about right. to say something. I, I definitely know that you were brought to me. Um, I worked at a church in one capacity or another since I was seven years old. And then I was on staff at a church for the 10 years before I met you. And then I was not. I, I left uh, for my own reasons. And I felt good about it. I'd, I'd served for 50 years. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break. And everybody said, what are you going to do next? I said, oh, no, the Lord's going to bring bring it to me. And I didn't realize at the time because there was a two-year gap before a couple year gap before this started, but he brought me to you and you and I started, we did some Christian films together and right. some different things and built a relationship. And then you said, let's do the podcast. So, I mean, I went straight from serving in the church to serving God again, just a different way. Right. 28,000 is a lot of people. It, it is. I mean, it's not a Joe Rogan, you know, millions and millions and millions. No. Yeah, but he didn't start off in a million Russell, either. Russell Brand almost has six million followers there now. Was, there was a day all of them On said, Rumble? hey, I'm almost at 28,000. He just started Rumble, you know, Yesterday. because- Yeah, cause he, because uh, YouTube YouTube took down some of his episodes, which him. is all garbage. It's garbage is what it is. Russell Brand is the most liberal man you'll ever meet. He's incredibly liberal and he's following all of the guidelines. And YouTube are becoming a Gestapo on oh, language. I don't I don't know him well enough to like have an opinion. Yeah. I don't. Anyway, so he's going to I actually to, listened to the first one today on the Rumble. Did you? Uh, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. I was like, dang. He went to Rumble because they censored him. He would have yeah, never went to Rumble. No. Never. And he interviewed interviewed Glenn Greenwald today. Really? Yes, it was bizarre. Like, I was like, these two people are in the same pot. What's happening? <laughs> so, the guy that I went to high school um, with, Duncan Trussell, who's on who's on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. all the time, he's all he's also with Russell Brand. These, you know, Russell Brand and Duncan are like super liberal guys. Rogan's really not. He is kind of, but people don't realize it. He has these liberal mm-hmm. undertones, but he he's mainly a be. conservative he, hunter. He used to be serious liberal. Very, he's, he's 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 slowly changed over he has. the years. Absolutely, yeah. well, it's actually happened fighting faster. Fighting guns won't do for you. I promise. <laughs> the last year, a couple of years since COVID, he's really changed he yes. a lot. It, it's he has. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people have changed since COVID. COVID broke people. Yeah, it broke people. I gained sixty pounds during COVID. Me too. Yeah, it was ridiculous. You didn't gain sixty pounds. <laughs> Where you don't even weigh sixty pounds? I don't pounds. believe it. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart. God so, lover. <laughs> Cherry, what'd you think of this study? Well, the first time I ever read Esther, it really um, didn't really impress me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like, oh, a little bitty short 
you know, chapter or, or a book in the Bible and moved on. I mean, I, I was, I liked reading Joshua more, you know, and everything. It, was, it just wasn't enough. Um, Not enough action. Yeah, there weren't enough action in this this book when I first read it. So, um, which was, you know, when I first, first started reading the Bible. Sure. Eight years ago. So, coming around, um, before... As things have evolved in my life, I was going to Bible college there for a little while, and I was going on Tuesday nights, and I really enjoyed that because I got to study. I really this this is the only thing I'm nerdy about. I'm not a nerd in any other area of my life, but there's not enough books to read or or um, you she's know. She's lying. She's a she's a straight up charge nurse at a gastro and her, you know. That doesn't make me a nerd. It does make you a nerd. <laughs> you know about that makes you a nerd. Yeah. And you can talk all the talk. And she's like, I think you need to do the brat diet because you're going to have diverticulitis. Any smartness makes you a nerd. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which so, is a candy I expect for Billy to use someday. It's just a nerd. Uh, <laughs> I do like the gummy nerds, though. Those are good. Yeah, yeah the little ahead. ropes. Uh, yeah, Those yeah, are pretty yeah, good. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, my life changed a lot. I had to stop going to Bible college, of course, because I started raising um, two of my grandkids. And so now my life is like full force, constant, on the go. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally point A, point B, just constantly. Touch down, go here, go there. And so coming back around to this story now cuz I'm so busy being able to stop and actually read it again and through coming here have taken it you know learning how to read the bible you know you know a lot of times we just read the bible you know how many people really read um you know where the who wrote the book of, uh, that you're reading in the Bible and what time frame was that in and what kind of culture were these people and things. So when you start reading the Bible and you start learning and thinking about those things, it, it opens it up more to you, number one, to study more about that culture and that time frame, but it also helps you take that information and, and process it into your own life, you know, kind of like mirror imaging yeah. How it would be for you now, sure. and how it was for them, and so going back through this book, where I had, I guess maybe I just pretty much just ran through it, you know, and I was, oh, there's more interesting books in the Bible. Now going through it this way, obviously this one um, is is quite interesting. Actually, there's a lot. There's there's a lot more. You know, I guess uh, your your um, main character being Esther, but there's so many other characters that that were important in, in all of it. You know, it's not just Esther. There's, you know, even the eunuchs. I think about the eunuchs, you know, going back and forth to the gate, you know, Mordecai asking and Esther sending messages back, you know, and then her saying, you know, well, could Mordecai possibly have been a eunuch? You know, well, I always wonder to myself, why did the eunuchs do this with these two, you know, when they're supposed to be servants of the king. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just little things like that. Maybe think he he's been a eunuch. He could have been. He could have been. I think that's a great question. I think it's, he could have been a eunuch, but it's just like, I think there's just like everybody anywhere near that power is jockeying for a part of it. I think mm. that's, you know. Possibly. There, there yep. could have been a lot of eunuchs during that period of time. Yeah. They, had, they knew what Egypt was. They knew what the Hebrews were coming out of Egypt and the number that they had created. And they have come out. So when you conquer somebody, you don't want them to grow. Right. Because then how can you control them? You can't control them, yep. Because the the Jews outnumbered Israel, or uh, Egypt. They outnumbered them. 
a it's, lot. For oh, me, really? it was like it was like uh, taking well, a not initially, white. but during their enslavement, yes, they no. grew yes. massive. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Well, they kept growing their their slave workers to do their bidding, and then it got so big. And that's why they became the and minority. That's why the pharaoh wanted to work them harder and mm-hmm. about basically work them to death. Yep. So it was like taking a black and white coloring book and adding color to it. I'm glad that's so cool. you enjoyed yeah. it. What do you think, Billy? What did you think about this study? Yes, Queen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, it was cool. It was it was it was really cool. It, it was another. Uh, it was like um, like that uh, like that story. Well, it's any other story in the Bible. It, it's it's like just the little things um, that 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 causes something major. You know, like leaving the leaving the gate open for the donkey to get out. You know, that one right. story that we had. So it's like, it's it's it just goes to show you that we're, it's more about living and not planning. Because mm. just the little things like the king not being able to sleep or Haman mm-hmm. having a problem with Mordecai, just the little things. And, you know, I, you know, I, I just, we're not in control. Um, and it's, it was a good story. I really liked it. So, yeah. yeah. I like that insight a lot. Yeah, I was yeah say, leave too. it to Billy to bring it home. Yeah, uh, it's, yes. Uh, just, just we we don't know what we're going to be faced with. You know, just leaving here tonight or in the morning. So just I don't we know. know what we're about to be faced with, don't we, Rick the Third? Oh, all day, all day long, <laughs> all night. We're about oh. to get fifty miles, sixty mile an hour winds and rain. Our way, rain. So. The place where our honeymoon, yes. Sanibel Island, was destroyed. <gasps> did you see the causeway? I did. Oh I my did. Gosh, we went there as as I uh, we went there as I was a child. I was like, I crossed. Oh my god. Yeah, Hurricane yeah, Hurricane Ian decimated it. Oh, that's how much far. this podcast meant to me. Yeah, that he During drove a the, hurricane. He's driving yeah. a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but what y'all you. couldn't see when... Um, Upstate South Carolina, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's well, he's actually in the Midlands. No, I'm in, in the middle. He's in the mid- Midlands. Yeah. I'm in the middle. Which y'all couldn't see when Billy was speaking, and he went, yes, queen. <laughs> Rick the Third over here was like, fangirl. He's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Yeah. It was so great. Yes. It was so Man. great. Uh, what about you, Rick? What did yeah. you think of Esther? It took us, when did we start 92 this? 92 weeks. Yeah, 2019. You, 14 weeks of Sp- Speaking of small things, though, I, you know, Ralph brought up something. Speaking <laughs> of small things. But like Ralph was talking about when you came into his life, yeah. and it was the same way with, with me. I just, you know, I hadn't seen you in a couple years, mm-hmm. and I just came over to, was there a reason I came over? I mean, of course, we, we think. We hung that, out. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think I came over and you were like. We were going to go bowling. Yeah, we no, going, no, no. I came over to your apartment at the time. We were and going I, bowling, And right? I think. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, right. no. I came over and, and you were like, bro. And I was like, nah, bro. And then you was like, like, bro. And then, you know, we, we <laughs> like, just, we up, talked. Bro? And then bro. and then uh, then Holly showed up and you are like, bro, out. You know, so. Get out of here, bro. Yeah, it's. It's a road, Jeff. So, I mean, that's, and then we started this. Yeah, and and you know we got a whole drove of asses with us. Well, yeah, but just like, yeah, but before that we even filmed at your place. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, we did that thing at the at, at the sawmill. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did all kinds of I was crazy at that stuff. Footage the very day. first project that I ever had recorded in my life, Andy Bishop did. And you borrowed my boat. I did the bazinga. The very first, very first thing I ever recorded in my life really? ever was called the Fishers of Men. And I had Ryan Witted. It was a spoken oh, yeah. poem that I wrote, and you oh, recorded it. Yeah. 
Wow. So, How long and that ago was, was that? 1997, wow. 98. Wow, Andy, and you're still. Years. And Andy's a disciple, <laughs> whether he likes it or not. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, so, yeah. 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 So, really is. So. so, what did I think? Yeah, I what do you think of Esther? The thing about Esther, the thing that I learned the most about it is when you don't see God there, he's there. Because even though his name isn't in there, and we found it in the Hebrew, but in the English, it's not there. But even though his name isn't in there, in the English, he's right there. And when his people needed him the most, and it seemed like it was the worst, he was there. And the enemy wanted to destroy his people completely. And I can really understand that. I can understand how the Emily want, the enemy wants to destroy the people of this particular God. And then to see it all be a reversal of fortune on the enemy. It reminds me so much of what Christ did for me in the world that I was born in. I was born into a chaotic world with that was very difficult. Um, I'm very fortunate at the age that I'm at, but I'll knock on wood because life can change at the drop of a hat. I'm very fortunate the life that I have right now, but I wasn't born into the same life that I have today. And I had a moment in my life when it felt like the world was coming down on me and that everything was working against me and I was never going to be able to climb out. And then suddenly he gave, he gave me this reversal of fortune. And I was introduced to Christ, and he defeated my enemies. And then he gave me a family, you know? And I celebrate that, just like they do Purim. That's, that's what I see. I see, that, I see Christ all over that story. And I see redemption, and I see God's sovereign will and the love for his people. Well, that's the theme of the whole Bible. From beginning to end is redemption. It is. Yeah, they call it, what do they call it? The scarlet thread of redemption that runs through the scripture. Yeah. Well, you know, the the Feast of Lots or the, the Purim, when's the next time in the Bible we read about people casting lots? The disciples? Mm, I think at the foot of the cross. Yeah, I was thinking at the for cross. Clothes. Yeah, for, for the clothing. Just for the clothes of Jesus Christ. Yeah, they cast mm. lots for yeah, his garments. So you're right, the casting lots for his garments. wonder who got that one. Huh. Wow. wonder what became of that guy. We, we don't know. That's not, it's not in the Bible. Who? No. no. It was just one of the soldiers. One of the soldiers got it. They cast lots for it because it was a perfectly made. It had no seam. Right. And it was perfectly made. And it wasn't torn. It wasn't torn. Yeah. And so they got it. And then after that, they cast lots to name another disciple. And to name Judas's replacement. Yeah. yeah Mat- Matthias. Wow. Well, that's full circle, guys. Lots of lots. Lots of lots. Yeah. A lot can change a lot. Guys, I really appreciate you doing this study with me. It was awesome. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we brought Sarita in when we did. And you're here full time. You're not going anywhere. Not unless y'all kick me out. Bless your heart. It's really cool that Charlton Rick Carter III came in. Thank you for putting that out there. Um, that that positive feedback is so nice to hear. I did absolutely select that one out um, because we. I guess we became friends on Facebook yeah. and through Berean. Yep. Uh, I did not know Rick, guys. I did nope. not know who not he was when he all. sent that message. I had There's no not clue. a Rick club out there. There will be. Uh, well, okay. he lives in <laughs> Columbia, but he grew up in Bel Air. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do the Charlton? You've never heard that joke before. <laughs> no, but well, no, we've made it when there's a subreddit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but Rick, thanks for coming all the way up oh, here. I loved it every bit. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We'll have to have you back up here again. I'd love to. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. I'm sure he's got a testimony he can tell. Oh, yeah, would absolutely. you like to come back and share your testimony? Sure. Well, then we'll do that. Yay. That's a good idea. We'll get you on the schedule. Oh, Not another it. hurricane. We'll, we'll wait till that. Wait yeah. till it. It'll come quick. Well, we're booked out till January, so it'll <laughs> at least be, be then. But uh, Ralph, Billy, Rick, Represent. Sarita, Cherry, Andy, Later. all of you. That's we true. have completed. Yeah. Yes, Queen! <laughs> yes, Queen! <laughs> nice. We've finally completed the, the Esther series. We will be getting into the book of Hebrews. Guys, you won't hear that until January. However, we are going, we have tons of episodes coming out. We have Gary DeMar coming. We have Dave Cristiano coming. And that's why I wanted to mention his name right at the end. Dave Cristiano and Rich Cristiano have put out a film called Mind Reader. That movie comes out um, October the 25th. And if you will go to mindreadermovie.com, mindreadermovie.com, you will see that they're putting in 25 theaters across the U.S., if you will look and see if there's a theater near you, I'm urging you to go and see this film. The Cristianos are a rare breed. These men, you met Dave, Andy. Yep. You met him right here in the studio. He is a sincere man. He loves the Lord, and he makes sure to share the gospel in every one. And he's not doing it in a way that beats you over the head or makes you feel guilty or makes you feel threatened. He's telling you that there's mercy and grace and love for those who are hurting. That's what he talks about. And mindreadermovie.com. If you'll go to that, see if that if there's a theater near you. Where's the nearest one to us? Um, I think he's getting ready to put one out uh, in Mount Juliet, which is not far from Nashville. I know that. Um, are you looking at it right now, Sarita? I am. Are there any theaters near us? It's probably going to be like big markets first. I'm still going to have Nashville as my territory, and I'm going to need to visit. I'm... Tell me when. That, yeah, it tells you something. when the, the movie's coming out. I believe it's October 25th and those 25 or 27th. It's uh, October 21st in Sydney, Nebraska. Okay. And then Decatur, Alabama. Huh? When is Decatur? Uh, Decatur is October 24th at the AMC. Um, there's Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, which I think is in, like near Savannah. Savannah. Mount Juliet, Tennessee. That's the one I was talking about. That's on October 27th. Yeah. I'll be in Orlando. Okay. Um, Hattiesburg, Germantown, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's on the 7th of November. Uh-huh. Uh, nowhere close to us. That's as close as it gets. Looks like we're going to Nashville, suckers. Germantown. What day is that on? Uh, Monday the 7th. In Mount Juliet? No, uh, Juliet was the 27th, Thursday. I think we're recording, we're recording that, that night. Day. Yeah, when that opens. What yeah. about Germantown? Monday the 7th. Mm -hmm. hmm, we might be able to make that one. Anyway, guys, go to mindreadermovie.com. Uh, if you go to the Hattiesburg, Mississippi one, Rich Cristiano will be there. Ah, if you want to meet Rich Cristiano. Great guys. The we Christianos. should just follow him around for a little while. Yeah, yeah. we should. Yeah. Stalk him. The grateful... <laughs> Living. <laughs> that was a good one. Jeez. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, mindreadermovie.com. Go check them out, guys, and uh, see them local. Obviously, they you can see all of their films on YouTube. They stream um, Christian movies. Go search Christian movies on YouTube. Uh, they All of the movies. Remember the Goal, um, The Perfect Score. Uh, I'm actually in his next film. I, it'll be coming out very soon. 
Yeah. What do you think about that, sucker? Anyway, and he'll be, you know, his episode will be coming out pretty soon. We got Brian Gadawa coming out, uh, the Christian science fiction author. Mike Sullivan came back and he did uh, the episode with us about the ninth part of all of it, which was the expansion of Revelation, which is the expansive, uh, the expansed all of it discourse. Pretty, pretty good stuff coming up in the next few weeks, guys. And if you like scary movies, go to Tacky Tie Films. And you can see a couple of Christian scary films there. Yeah, Stillwaters and Witch. They are there on that website. If you want to learn about serial killers and witches, <laughs> there's a Christian message at the end of it. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. See ya. See ya. Bye, y'all. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Andy, are we rolling? Yes, sir, you are. You're also loud. We're turning Rick down. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm proud. I like it. I think that's great about you, how loud you are. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things about you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have more than one? We're doing Esther first, right? (laughs) Don't put me in the spot. He said one of the favorite.